Hello and welcome to a special bonus episode of YXE Underground. My name is Eric Anderson. I'm the host of this local independent podcast and I'm very excited today to bring you uh, a conversation with the wonderful and talented and brand new author, Adrian Van Gool. Uh, Adrian is, is I think, well known in our community. She wears many, many hats. Uh, she is a wonderful yoga instructor. She runs her own business, uh, Van Gogh Wellness. She's an amazing physiotherapist. Uh, I say this because uh, she helped uh, help me fix a wonky back a couple of years ago, and she's wonderful. Um, Adrian's also really well known in the community because um, she was a university uh, track star. She was a university basketball star. She's just a wonderful overall human being. And uh, I'm so excited because Adrian has written a book and it's going to come out in early January of uh, 2023. The book is called The Journey of Self-Care to We Care. Um, it's it's a really fascinating book. It sort of weaves uh, lots of different ideas. There's there's science, there's perspectives on on yoga, there's um, obviously looking at, at self-care, um, but there's a lot of really personal stuff that Adrian's written about. Um, in, in her life. And she goes to places, um, that I ask about in our conversation that, um, I, I think anyways, reading it would have been challenging, uh, to write about, but she's very open and honest. That's one of the many things I love about Adrian is that she, she's really honest, um, with you always. And, um, she writes about some really challenging times in her life and, and we'll touch on a few of those things, um, including, um, how would I put it? I, I think a very toxic relationship with a, a certain coach of hers um, when she was an athlete in her younger days. And um, and so we talk about that in, in our conversation. Um, and I and I really appreciate her talking about it because, you know, these are not easy things to talk about. Not only does she discuss it in the podcast, but she also writes about it in her book. Oh, and I should mention, too, that there's poetry in the book. Like, Adrian can just do it all. Um, it's it's lovely poetry, too. As someone who was in a grade 11 creative writing class and who wrote really, really uh, questionable poetry about girls in grade 11. Um, Adrian writes really beautiful poems and she weaves it into different themes within the book. And, um, and yeah, she's just, uh, it's, it's a wonderful book. And I, I was very, very honored when she approached me to say, would you like to interview me for, uh, the podcast to talk about my book? And, uh, I said, I jumped at it. I was like, yes, of course, of course. Um, I think you'll see Adrian lots, um, in terms of local media, uh, come January. I think you'll see her in the newspaper. I think you'll hear her lots on the radio. You'll see her on the TV because I think this book is, is fantastic. And I think a lot of people are going to be interested in it. Um, I should also mention too, that there's going to be a book launch at Ivy Yoga House on January 22nd and uh, uh, a friend of the podcast and a friend of mine uh, Lisa Gregg is going to be hosting it so you know it's going to be awesome when Lisa and Adrian are together um, so I really I really hope you enjoy our conversation I hope you get a chance to pre-order Adrian's book um, I, I just think it's a wonderful read and I think you'll get a lot out of it um, and so yeah so this is our conversation so uh, we met at Adrian's um, Adrian's business so Van Gogh Wellness and uh, and we sat down uh, in her yoga studio um, space it was just her and I and we sat cross-legged I lasted about five minutes before I had to unfold my legs because I have tight hips but I think Adrian sat cross-legged the whole time um, but we, we talked about lots of different aspects with the book and then just um yeah how she's feeling about releasing you know 
this to the world because I think it'd be you know it's exciting but it's got to be a little bit scary too so we talk about lots of things in our conversation so uh, I'm really excited for you to hear this episode um, I hope you have a, a really um, Merry Christmas Happy Holidays um, it's a few days before the holidays um, and uh, yeah I hope you take care of yourselves and uh, and find some time to be with friends and family and stay warm because it's bloody cold out there so yeah um Without any further ado, uh, here is Adrienne Van Gool, uh, my conversation with her, and I'll put links in terms of where you can uh, pre-order her book in the show notes. But yeah, um, I, I hope you do, and I hope you're able to make it out to her book launch on January 20, 22nd because I think it's going to be awesome. So Adrian, take it away. So my name is Adrian, and I am a physiotherapist and a yoga therapist in Saskatoon, Treaty 6 Territory, and I own and operate Bangal Wellness with uh, an amazing group of wellness practitioners. And I wrote a book. <laughs> I was just about to say, and you wrote a book. I've got to add author now, like for real, that's fun. Okay, and I also am an author. How does that feel when you say that? It feels like it's not true yet for some reason. So maybe the more I say it, the more it'll feel like it's real. But yeah, it's I'm smiling because it there's just so much work that goes behind it. Um, so I'm excited and also a little bit scared for it to be out there. Um, I will get to the, the excited slash scared part in a bit because I was curious about that. But I overheard you saying to a colleague just now in, in the hallway that you've been working on this for, is it three years? Yeah, it's crazy to say that out loud. Um, it didn't start... So yes, I think about three years this has been in the making, and it didn't start off with, I'm going to write this book about this. It started off with um, me wanting to write down some resources for clients, and then when COVID happened, I just felt that there was more urgency in terms of what people needed support with and more guidance in terms of helping them regulate their nervous systems. So then it morphed into... 40,000 words, 40,000 words, not pages. Please, please buy the book. No, 40,000 words. And I was 80% done it and thought, I need to sit this down. Like, I just <clears throat> need a break from this. It felt like it wasn't quite finished, but I wasn't sure what was missing. And then I started doing poetry in part of my own healing journey, and it just started to be very therapeutic for me. And then, Long story short, that was the missing piece, was the art part of the science. So then I started filtering in these poems um, at the start of each chapter, and then the last bit started to come. The last 20% is hard. The editing, the, well, I won't bore people with that. But, yeah, so a long process. Um, it seems how you brought up the, the poetry. That's Because uh, I think for, for people that do know you in the community, they know you as as a physiotherapist, as a yoga instructor, as an athlete. Um, I did not know that that there was this side to you in terms of the, the creativity and, and poetry of all things. Like, um, has that always been a passion of yours? I would say I've always been, um, yeah, a very introspective and creative person. But the parts of me that took over were the things that were very, I would say, that society validates. You know, I can set a goal and I can work hard and achieve something, but that, like, deeper layer to self um, is was things I guess I would do privately. I was always, as a kid, drawing, and I was always in the arts um, and reflective and would write a few things, but... Um, I would say the words really did, in terms of the poetry, just flow out. So I think that is something that is just, I haven't trained to do it. It's just something that also is part of me feeling like me. If I'm not creating something, then I feel like 
that light is dimming. So whether that's creating in terms of programming or creating, you know, um, stuff for the business, um, that was the creative outlet for a long time. And then this was more, you know, cre not creativity just for me. And then it ended up being something that I ended up sharing. Because I can't not share things, apparently. <laughs> was it nice to do creativity that was just for you? Yeah, there was no, um, is this what someone might like? Is this, it was just for me. It was, I'm curious to know what I think. I'm curious to know how I feel. And a lot of times just sitting and letting something come. It was never for me a thing, I'm going to sit down and write this concept to fit in there. Some of the book and the concepts were like that, like how do I thread this through? But with the poetry, it really is, um, I think, a, an emotional expression, either from my experiences or things I've witnessed and observed, like a form of processing, I guess. Yeah, yeah. Because yeah. I, I, I was, I, and you talk about this in, in the book in terms of how you love the, the process of things and the work that goes into it and not so much necessarily the, the outcome, but like the, the work that goes into it. So w with the book, I was curious too, like um, did you... With, with the poems that start off the chapters, like, did you sort of pair it um, in terms of like, okay, I need a poem for chapter two, I've got to think of that, or did it, it just sort of came out, those words? It, they just came out, and then later I was fitting which poem would go with, with which chapter. So, um, and some of them, I think because I was so immersed in the content too, that when I'd be kind of daydreaming and, and then doing a poem, I think some of that content inherently like fed into some of that. But um, yeah, the poetry was done when I was taking a break from the book and I just was like, I need to refill my cup. I was feeling burnt out like most people during the pandemic, so yeah. yeah. Um, you you gave me a bit of an advanced copy of it and mm -hmm. so I, I, I loved it. And, and uh, I was showing you just before we started, like I, I, I wrote down a lot, I typed out a lot of yeah. things that really stood out to me. Um, but there's one thing that, re that really stood out to me because recently I went to one of your workshops at mm -hmm. I have a yoga studio and um, it was a restorative yoga class uh, that Jen Rondeau was, was teaching the poses and then you were guiding us through, um, like, what, like a, is it a meditation you were kind of guiding us through? Or what, how would you describe it? Yeah, so we did this collaboration where Jen normally teaches restorative yoga among other types of yoga and people are in certain poses for minutes at a time and so we thought it would be nice to create um, you know I, I talked at the beginning about the why behind the effectiveness of restorative yoga in terms of what the this the science says about um, anyway we'll get into that later but um, and then while people were in certain poses for a while and they're relaxing and their eyes are closed I was reading some of the poems that speak to a lot of this process of coming into the moment being with ourselves and it's it's something that needs to be practiced it's not just like I have the time I'm going to close my eyes and now I'm relaxed it's it's also figuring out and learning how do we do constructive rest how do we do rest that's actually restorative and not just time where then we're filling it with anxiety or, you know, or what patterns we've developed that sitting still can be hard and actually um, not relaxing for some people. So it's how do we, but then they're told, reduce your stress. You need to deep breathe. How do I breathe? <laughs> so anyway, that was the, the workshop, was diving a little bit into the how and then reading some of the poetry when people were in poses. It, it was a lovely workshop. Um, full disclosure, I fell asleep in one of the poses <laughs> because I got very relaxed. But you're so right in terms of um, it can be hard for like your, your mind 
you're, you know, you're being told just calm down, but then your mind starts to race. His mind does anyways. But there was a phrase that you said that night that really stood out to me. And then I saw it in the book mm-hmm. and I was like, oh my gosh, so I have to ask her about this. So yeah, the, yeah. the phrase is, what does a yes feel like in your body? And what does a no feel like in your body? And I'm wondering if you can expand on that. Cause I think that's fascinating. Yeah. I think it's not something we think about is, um, and that's, was, was, is the title of, of my podcast is awaken to your body's wisdom and with this concept of intuition, but just to simplify it even further, how do we know something's a yes? There's a feeling there. How do we know that something's a no? There's often a feeling there that we learn to override because it's either not socially acceptable or appropriate, or we feel like it would disappoint the other. You know, there's so many ways that we override and stop listening to body. And all of this communication happens through the nervous system. But even how we feel, like if you even pause here for those that are listening, um, if you pause here and just think of, you know, if you're comfortable closing your eyes, but just think about something really basic that you first know is a yes. So maybe for me it's, um, you know, I'm sitting here talking with Eric. That's a yes. Like, what does that feel like in the body? And then maybe something that feels like a resounding full body, you know, something you're looking forward to, yes. That has a feeling in the body. And then so does no. So if we think about something that we're really clear that is a no, that also has a physical sensation. It even has a posture. So you'll see it more in kids before we learn to socially um, override or perform. Um, kids are very much, you know, or, or in animals too, like the cowering, that's a no, or the shame, or something feels not right, versus, um, you know, an open posture, which feels like a yes, but everybody might sense this differently in their body. But I think getting to know what you're sensing in moment to moment or day to day, it can help you guide things that maybe are more in line with what's a true yes, and maybe what's a true no. How, how did you experience I guess, how did you come to, to learn that? Cause I know in, in the book, you, you are very open and honest in terms of, of when you were younger, sometimes your body would say no, but you would, you would go ahead with it anyways. Like how, how did you, how did you get to know this, you know, what a yes feels and what a no feels like? Yeah, I think like many people, um, and Maybe women experience this a little differently than men, not that men wouldn't as well, but um, there's so much that we're, we, we experience, a misogyny in that, that um, we override, that maybe I'm overreacting, or maybe I miss, maybe that was just a joke, or maybe I'm too much, whatever it might be. Um, for me, when I was younger, I had, you know, I was very active in sport, and um, I had an experience with a coach for many years. It was a sport that also has given me so much. It's how I met my husband. It's how I've met my dear friends that I'm friends with today. And it wasn't all bad. Um, it taught me a lot of skills and tools, but it also taught me a lot of patterns that were not healthy for me. Like to stay in that situation and achieve my goals, I felt like I had to put up with a lot of things that felt so wrong and were violating my personal space, my body autonomy, and a lot of unwanted um, touching and things that happened to me um, throughout these 10 years. And so it's quite interesting experience to have a sport that, um, you know, being known for an athletic accomplishment that also 
has such um, difficulties associated with it for me. And so I've, you know, moved through a lot of that in terms of making peace with it. And now I'm involved in the sport and, and doing some leadership stuff within it to create change. But for me, it was every day I was teaching my nervous system, don't talk to me, I'm not listening to that. I need to do this right now. I need to keep performing. I have this goal. When, you know, or what I, what I feel, what I need, I would tell myself doesn't matter because this other thing is so important. And if I speak up about that, it jeopardizes my ability to achieve and reach my goals. And so that was the situation I felt like I was in. And that's what has spurred on in my professional life. Um, I, I need, I guess, to try and help people uh, not just not experience something like that, but to not lose connection to self. And um, I could go on and on, but that's, um, I think, how it bleeds into personal and professional because of that experience. What, was there a point, Adrian, where um, in your athletic career, because, and correct me if I'm wrong, but um, I think in the book you described from around age 13 to 23, would that be? So that's 10 years. That's a long time. Was there a point, and maybe it's closer to the end, where where you realize like something something has to change in terms of, of maybe reconnecting with, with what your body is telling you and, and maybe saying, the is the goal worth it? Like, was there a tipping point at all for you? There were a lot of whispers, you know, a lot of that I, in retrospect, and I'm very fortunate. Like, I, I come from a very um, supportive family. I had have supportive friends and relationships. And um, so I had a lot of things in my favor, which gave me the privilege to be able to, you know, speak up and do certain things near the end. But um, I would say that's when I started to listen, when my f- career was coming to a close, um, I just something, I was on a certain path that would have kept me in contact with certain experiences and would have kept me in that world. And I just had something that just, I, for some reason I started to listen and something in me that said, this is not right. I don't, I look at the next five, 10 years of my life and this isn't it. This doesn't feel like joy. This doesn't feel like me. I didn't even know me anymore. And so then I made the decision to apply to different career paths. And that's when I got into physio. Because what, what path were you on before you, you decided I needed something different? I don't want to be too explicit because I want to protect people's anonymity, but I was on the path to do a master's in research and do a PhD and be an academic my entire career. Nothing against that, but it, it just didn't afford me the ability to, I would have been in that same bubble. That was unhealthy for me, I, I felt. And so, but that was a whisper. That was a, that was the first time, I guess maybe the most significant thing is that was the first time that I listened to the whisper and did something that wasn't according to plan. That's for me. So regardless of whether that situation, maybe it would have been okay for me to stay, but it was the first time that I didn't go according to the plan and just listen to my body instead of listening to what on paper looked right. I had a scholarship. I had every, it was, I mean, I worked for it, but also mm-hmm. like there was a path outlined and I was like, no to the scholarship. <laughs> I'm going to go to this. Other. Was that scary for you? It was scary, but it was also like when you feel like you have no other choice, it was so clear at that moment that on that path I was on, I was probably not going to find myself for a long time. 
And I think that was one of the first times that I actually chose myself and said yes to me instead of yes to others' expectations and yes to performing and these goals that I had either put on myself, expectations, or others had put on me. Um, was it, when you start to listen to yourself and, and, and do what you wanted to do, was there at all like a part of you that thought like, oh, am I being selfish? Am I, should I be like, cause I, I don't know. I, I, I don't think I've been in that specific situation, but I've done things where it's like, oh, I don't, I'm very much a people pleaser. And at times I'm like, oh, I, I should, shouldn't be doing this for me. I should be doing this for others. That was that a struggle at all at first? Or were you, were you ready to be like, yeah, it's, it's time for, for me to look out for myself. I think the people that really were in my inner circle and supporting me, were so supportive of me doing that. It's like so many people were like waiting for me to say, to get out of the situations I was in. Um, so I feel like at that point it almost was so far gone um, <laughs> or so needed that people were like, oh good, <laughs> this is a good choice for you. <laughs> but um, I, I think it's, it's tougher, but I've had ex- other experiences since then where um, People who care about me want the best for me, and I'm doing things that seem like risk-taking, that they're like, are you sure? And I'm like, I believe in myself, and if I'm going to bet on anybody, I'm going to bet on myself, and this feels right. It has that same feeling that it had for me to make that choice initially. So that's kind of my guide. And if I fail, it's it's okay, because I'm okay with me at the end of the day. But if I'm failing at something for somebody else, it's a double fail almost because I'm, I'm choosing something that doesn't feel right for me. I'm saying no to myself, and then I'm also then shitting the bed on that thing. So it's a, dub- it's a double whammy. <laughs> I, I appreciate you opening up about that. I, I do. Yeah. Um, so one of the many things I love about the book is that you do combine, like there's your personal story, and, and I have so many questions about the yoga too, but when you start to go down the physiotherapy side of, of your career, like there's – there's some like some really interesting science in your book. Like, was that when when you started to to go down that road? Like, was that what was that like for you? Well, that's I think some of the um, the research in me, the the curiosity in me that I had that before I made that choice to switch directions, that never went away. So I'm always deeply, um, you know interested in, about the science and I, I like to share it when I'm teaching and share it with my clients so it was almost like as I was writing the book like I was having a conversation or doing a client education session it didn't feel to me and I've, I've been teaching the last 10 years um, yoga trainings and anatomy and yoga training so I've always been um, bringing the science forward and so but it was so fun to read how this is the nerdy. This is the nerdy side of the podcast. It was so fun to see the research change so much in five years, in terms of the quality of the research and the number of studies in in more specific things. So I was part of a study. Uh, we did a meta analysis on looking at yoga and its effects on people that have neurological conditions. And I remember I was on mat leave with my first first child Walker, and he, I was breastfeeding him and and doing lit reviews. <laughs> filling out spreadsheets. I'm like, oh my gosh. And we, it was hard to find a lot of good quality studies. Snap, you know, fast forward seven years later, like it's just the literature has, it's, it's just expanded so much. So it was so exciting to, to dive into it again deep, more deeply and then to bring that forward into all the different aspects of yoga. 
the quality of research that we have and, and to bring it into a way that's easy to understand so people can, maybe they get excited by the why too of like, did you know this is what's happening? It seems so simple to, to come into the moment you're in, but it's so hard. But also there's all these complex things happening in your body which are making it, that's why it's so beneficial. But then when, when you were studying at the U of S, like to become a physiotherapist, like was, was yoga a big part of it? Or was that something that like, like, had you been doing that during your athletic career or how, how does, how does that interest, like, how, how do you, how do you latch onto the yoga? You know, I, um, we would do a mind body movement, like recovery session, like once a week. It was, sometimes it was yoga, sometimes it was these other things with training. So that kind of introduced me into it. But in physio school, at the same time, that's when I retired from sport. And I wanted to do something that was going to heal my mind and my body. And also I had to deal with all of the things that I went through those last <laughs> 10 years. A lot of reclaiming going on there. Um, and yoga just... I gravitated to it because I feel like it met me where I was at in terms of building a connection back to my body. So I was developing this deep um, home practice, this deep practice of yoga personally, and then at the same time learning all of this physio stuff. So for me, the two have always blended because I was doing immersing in both at the same time. Okay, okay. Yeah. I've, I've always been curious about that yeah. as someone who has been in a yoga class with you and as, as someone who has received physiotherapy from you as well. I was always curious how the two went. So it was just a natural fit for you, hey? Yeah, and I think um, it's not uncommon too because there's lots more physios that are um, gravitating towards yoga too, especially since the pandemic where more people have been stretched beyond. And um, there is no simple case, let's just say. I don't think there ever was, but I think we had this idea that we could, we could maybe cope and, with certain things and just show up with one problem. Or I'm here for my shoulder injury, right? And we wouldn't necessarily touch on the whole person. Whereas um, I think now that's harder to do. It's harder to say, pretend we're okay when we're not because we've just experienced so much, right? And so I think it's just holding the possibility and the opportunity for somebody. They may just come in for their shoulder injury, but also giving the opportunity for people to show up as they are. And if they bring forth those other aspects of self, then yoga is a better system to be able to meet them with it. And there's more tools in the yoga system to help to meet the whole person. In physio school, we don't learn a lot of tools beyond the physiology and the mechanics of it. Um, maybe that's a little bit different now, but that's a lot of continuing education to learn how to treat more the whole person and the holistic aspects. Are, are you seeing that more in your in your clients in terms of there's just, um, like, it's not just a, sh a shoulder or a knee, but there's, like, just a bit more heaviness? Yeah, and that's why I wrote the book. <laughs> <laughs> that's why I'm sharing it and not keeping it private. Because I just found a lot of this, that's why I started the manual for clients, because I felt like people, much of the sessions were, um, people were requiring, requiring more guidance <clears throat> on, you know, I'd show them a, an exercise or what they need to do for their shoulder, I'd do the manual therapy, but then, you know, that shoulder's going to, I keep using the shoulder analogy, but the shoulder pain, the inflammation in the body, what are we doing for that? What are we doing for the the response to pain, what are we doing for the social-emotional aspects to experiencing 
a life-altering diagnosis, you know. And so it's part of the healing journey, I feel like. And I don't know how not to see certain things now. But I was finding, yes, in short, um, people are just also wanting more. They're wanting, I think, or craving to be seen and have real connection. Um, And also the responses to recovery and rehab are greater when we're tapping into these things that I read about in the book, into a safety response. You're more in that part of your nervous system that is maintaining and repairing body systems. So if we have an injury, there's something in the body system that's gone awry. And so if we just, people can just get better with certain exercises, but the outcomes and the research is showing the outcomes are better when we do these other interventions. Wow. Okay, so then... um how how then does how then does yoga tie in with the, with the with the recovery not just of of the physical ailment but like the nervous system and and dare I say like the the mind too I think anyways as someone who practices like how 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 does it all work Adrian that's a really big question <laughs> how does it all work I I don't know quite yet no um but what I do know and from uh, research I've done, the reading I've done, um, is that we can't treat these systems in isolation and that there is this constant crosstalk between body systems. And when I say body systems, I mean your nervous system, your immune system, your endocrine system, which is your hormonal system. Um, these systems are always communicating under the surface, whether we consciously know it or not. And when, let's say, we experience a stressful situation, our nervous system sends a message to the body, a stress hormone is released, and we have a physical and muscle response to that. And similarly, if we get a cold and our immune system has a response and we might get this brain fog, that communicates brain fog to the brain through the cytokines, through proteins. And that then affects the hormones as well that are moving through the body to slow us down. So our immune system is trying to slow us down. So when you take that Advil, because you're not thinking clearly and you have a headache, you're not thinking clearly because your immune system is trying to slow you down. It's trying to get you on the couch it's and just to relax. It's trying to get you on the couch to just to take a minute. And so these are just some small examples of how these systems work together. But in some people's situations, the reaction to certain stressors or the reaction to... Um, an illness, it becomes maladaptive. The body's trying to find balance, trying to find healing, but it gets stuck in a pattern. So people with chronic pain, for instance, that threat of pain or that impulse of pain to the nervous system and immune system is pretty constant. And then what that can create is a chronic state of brain fog or other issues in the body systems. They're trying to figure it out, but it's, you know, and so what do we do in these situations where the stressor isn't going away or the, you know, the chronic injury isn't going away? Well, the things we can do is utilize some of the yoga tools to help us create more appropriate and um, effective patterns in the body. We can nudge the nervous system out of a stress response into more of an ease and repairing response. There's some tools we can do to help manage, not cure, but help manage and move our body towards a state that's more livable, move it towards a state that's more us. And it's really hard to feel like you when you're just preoccupied by all the discomfort in your body. And so 
Um, you know, whether we're talking about the yoga um, tools about the breath or we're talking about some of the mindfulness tools, the meditation tools, um, not to mention even the physical postures that also help with recovery. So there's just, and there's more to it too. There's the reflection piece, the introspection. So there's the, the, the yoga system is old. It's been tested. It's you know, thousands of years old, and it's a system there for us that we can bring ourselves to and adapt it to what we need. I'm I'm so glad you mentioned the the part about um, see for like the example you used of someone who has chronic pain, and perhaps the stressors won't go you know, won't go away, but there's ways that we can we can deal with that. I I'm so glad you brought that up because <laughs> sometimes I I see people and it's mostly on on social media and they'll say like, um, you know just just, you know, sort of take a day or, or, you know, for your own, you know, um, you know, self-care and, and, and that stuff. And then I, I sometimes, I sometimes think of my wife in that moment because she's a teacher and I'm sure she would love just to like say, walk away and be like, yeah, okay. But, but she can't like, there's, there's the daily stresses of being a teacher, just like there's the daily stressors of, of so many other things. But what I think I hear you saying is that, we can't just, you know, turn off the tap completely, but there's ways that we can, we can cope with those stresses and, and yoga is a really effective way to do that. Yeah. And it's, it's figuring out, um, first becoming aware of what's not working for us and becoming aware of our own patterns and then starting to, I usually use this analogy of just moving the needle a little bit. Like maybe we, um, pause 1% more each day. And, or maybe we just start by noticing and asking ourselves, what do I need today? Maybe we can't give ourselves exactly what we need in each moment, but we can start to think about ourselves. We can start to put ourselves on the list. And it's not easy work. Like self-care isn't just a bubble bath. The self-care is, is putting yourself on the list. It's then having those hard conversations or making those hard choices and shifts, moving in and out of things that are more sustainable for us um, and maybe it's moving towards more sustainability when we can't just achieve it but it doesn't mean we just stop trying just because we can't get it today and so um, but I think it, it, research also shows this too that it's the small things done consistently that create the biggest change and so if we can just start with I'm going to pause today, or I'm going to um, take a few deeper breaths during whatever, or I'm going to ask this person for help. I'm not going to volunteer for each thing, or I'm going to reach out to connect with this person. It might be lots of different things, or I'm going to um, book that massage or that appointment I've needed and put off. Uh, But I think it's just starting to think about ourselves and notice ourselves and notice our body and how it goes through each day. Because to your point, what I wanted to finish with is that numbing out and tuning out, laying on the couch and taking a day off because we're burnt out, is not, checking out is not going to create the changes in our physiology. It's not going to change our, it's not going to help our body systems move towards more regulation. It's more disassociating. It's more not listening. And so actually what we need to do in small doses and small ways is on that day off or on the couch, still checking in, 
still noticing. And it might be an unpleasant place to be in our body. If we haven't been there in a lot of years, there's like a lot of things you got to talk about. (laughs) Dare I say you speak from personal experience? Oh, there's a lot. Yeah. Yeah. Right. And it's like, okay, so yes, lean on professionals. Yes. Lean on good friends. Yes. Lean on people that can help you through those, you know, in all seriousness, through some of the trauma and things that do come up when we get quiet and still. So for everybody, being in the body is not always a safe place to be, but it's trying to cultivate it being our home instead of looking elsewhere. And that's how we begin to regulate our body systems. When I say regulate, I mean that's how we start to feel more at ease, and then we can start to know what we need and then give ourselves more of what we need. Thank you for explaining that. That was that made so much sense. Um, when when you are when you are working with new people and you um, maybe and they've they've never tried yoga before, it hasn't been on their radar. Are are people receptive to it, or, or are they like I, I don't know about this? Like, what 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 are the reactions like? You know, I would say I've encountered the whole spectrum, <laughs> <laughs> and that's great. That's yeah. okay. Like. It's not, I I don't necessarily view it as a challenge. I don't view it as like a good or bad thing. It's just where people are, right? And so I usually just try and meet people where they're at and explain it in a way that, again, meets them where they're at. So um, if somebody is open to hearing about the more, the depths of yoga and more of the teachings, great. If somebody just wants to know how is this, why should I do it and how is this going to help me, why? Then I'll talk more about the physiology and the, what's happening in the body. Um, but I work with such a wide range of people from like, you know, you're, just think about your most closed-minded person right now. <laughs> I bet you I've worked with someone like that. And, but it's really once people, it's about them. And once they, yoga is just a way to get to know yourself better. And so it's, at the end of the day, when people are like, I don't want to do yoga. Okay, you don't, it's, it's about you. It's not about what I say about it. It's not about what the, you know. So when people start to experience themselves in a class and they start to feel more comfortable, more at ease and more, you know, that like after you've had a massage or after you've had a good laugh with a friend, that, that feeling you get inside, those nice pleasure hormones, dopamine, yay. I used, used to call it our, our endogenous drugs. But um, yeah, then people like it because they're experiencing themselves more more fully. And then the classes that I think create the most uh, long-lasting change are the ones that involve this community aspect where, and that's also, again, coming back to the research, that's where yoga has been shown to be more effective than other forms of exercise is for the mental, emotional, and social components. So both from people, you know, youth to, you know, seniors, um, I talk about this in the book a little bit, the loneliness. You know, our youth and our seniors are plagued by a similar um, thing. Where, you know, one lonely from false sense of connection through technology in our youth and the other uh, by neglect in our elderly. So um, the community aspect is so important to, I think, that gathering with the yoga practice. Um, the point about loneliness stood out to me too in the book because um, where I work at Sherbrooke, we, uh, which is a long-term care home here in the city, we practice the Eden Alternative philosophy, which is um, our goal is to alleviate loneliness, helplessness, and boredom. And there's so many ways you can do that. But um, 
community is such a, a big theme and I hadn't really thought about it but as you were um, in terms of, of, of yoga but as you were just talking about that it made me think of the restorative class we did last week and I'm in this room with 10 other people and we're all coming from from different you know parts of you know walks of life and we and we all bring our own um, I was gonna say baggage it's not the right word but we're, we bring yeah, our own stuff. yeah we, we bring our stuff in and yet we're we're sharing this experience and and to me like that's like I love that about live concerts and I've I missed that during the pandemic is just being in a room with other people enjoying like a moment but I hadn't thought that about that in yoga but that's really it's powerful isn't it it is because especially with yoga and depending on how it's set up some people like to talk a lot before and after and that's fine but some people like to just go to their mat but you're still around people and so you can have that introspective way of filling up and feel connected. And what we know about our nervous system is that one of our ways to feel safe, it's called tend and befriend, is to um, have this sense of belonging. And our, actually our, our, our brain um, gets smaller. Some of the research in there, this is the lay way to explain it, but our brain gets smaller when we're in isolation. And their neural connections in the brain are more diverse and vast when we are connected with people. But also it's very calming and it's a way in our biology to feel safe and move out of the stress response is to be around people. Obviously around people that aren't threatening us, <laughs> but it doesn't necessarily have to be through talking because inter introverts still sometimes need to be quietly sitting next to somebody. You know, It might just be that one person, but we also need that for our biology. Do you remember the first time you went back into a, a yoga class, like sort of, not that we're completely out of the pandemic, but the first time you went back into a studio and there was people in the room? Do you remember what that felt like for you? You know, I think I had a different experience because I was still working quite a bit. And, but yeah, when I was, sorry, <clears throat> when I was a student in the class, I think the moment that's standing out to me is when, and it was more, I think more profound, is when, um, so I teach chair yoga, and um, the people in chair yoga are of that demographic with chronic illnesses and more seniors, and so they're very cautious. So it was a long while before we got back together in person. We were still online, but the first time we were um, together in person teaching a class, and everybody came who felt comfortable, and that was most of the, the core people that have come for years. That was quite an emotional um, experience. We're all in mass still and all, you know, still doing all the things at that time. But, um, yeah, and to see, but also to see the progression in people's diseases that occurred over that period of time because of lack of services and, and um, just having a progressive condition that advanced faster during that time of isolation. That was a little bit disheartening, but also to see then the progress that was still possible a few months later, even with somebody who has a progressive chronic condition, there still can be gains made. And to see that those individuals start to thrive again through the social part, through the physical practice, through getting out more, um, it was um, really profound. Yeah, so that's the one that sticks out for me. Oh, thank you for sharing that. Um, You've been very generous with your time. I only have a, a few more questions, but um, you you are very like you are so honest in this book, 
And, um, as you know, when I interview people for the podcast, like I, I know I'm asking a lot of people to sort of tell their story and share their passion. Why? Um, but like, I feel like you in this book, like you, you, you really take it like to the <laughs> to really high up on the, on the ladder. Like were there, were there ever any times when you were writing this out or even thinking about like what you were going to write out or type out next where you were like, Oh, like the, I'm, I'm, exp- I'm exposing a lot of myself. Like what, did you ever have any of those moments? I think with that, when I shared my story, what I went through, that was, I, I wrote it out and I wasn't sure if I was going to include it. And then I decided to, in the end, because I felt at peace with it. I felt really like, um, I didn't feel shame about it. I didn't feel like anger. I didn't feel like I was um, still holding on to certain things. I know everyone's journey is a bit different in how they feel and process things, but so that's why I felt comfortable sharing it. Um, but in terms of the things that I bear, I, I don't feel like I've exposed anything that I haven't shared before. Like I feel like what I write about is what I talk about and how I try and show up. So it didn't feel as you know, naked, so to speak, but that one um, chapter, um, I would say for people um, just getting to know me now or just know me as a a physio or yoga teacher now, it'll be new for them. And I was a little bit concerned about how that might affect my ability to do my job as a professional. I didn't want necessarily people to to come and, and that influence their session with me. But in speaking with a few people about it and having them read it, um, they, their sense was that it, it didn't feel like a poor me situation. It felt like a more an empowered way of writing it, but also, um, yeah, just that it was more about the resolution than about what happened. And I think that's what I hope people, that's why I wanted to include it is that, you know, regardless of what has happened to us, how do we find the resolution back home, whatever that looks like? And it can look very different for each person. doesn't mean you make peace with everybody, but maybe it does. And But how do we come back to feeling more whole and more like ourselves? Thank you for that. Um, I was wondering if you would read a quote from someone. There was, um, and you've had her on your podcast before. And this is um, Dr. Jacqueline, is it Ottman? Yes. Is that how you say it? Okay. Yes. There, there was a quote that really um, stood out to me in terms of, of change. And when, when I think of change, I think, um, like at Sherbrooke where I work, we talk a lot about culture change and the importance of like the, the hard work that goes into it, why it's important, how we can continue with that. But there's a quote in your book that really just stands out. And, and I was wondering if you could read it and then maybe explain why you included it in your book. It's yeah. just at the bottom. Yeah. Uh, so this is Dr. Jacqueline Ottman. She says, there's a necessary tension that is required in change. As with braiding sweetgrass to braid a tight braid, I need you to hold one end tightly while I braid and pull on the other end. We need that tension to create a tight braid. In the end, the braid is stronger than the one strand of sweetgrass. And so she, we were talking in the podcast about the book she was reading, Braiding Sweetgrass. And she also has done um, research in change systems and studied it. And obviously you'll tell in the book, it left a mark. But the way that she talked about change, because I just thought it was so, I wanted to include it because that's exactly what we're trying to do when we're trying to heal, when we're trying to move forward. 
um, we're encountering this tension for change, this tension of wanting to stay the same because it's familiar, but it's not working anymore, and then that inevitable tension that's required to grow into the person that we can be, want to be, that feels better maybe. And so in, in, in physio, we're always working with change, you know, even in muscle tissue. If you want to lengthen a muscle, you have to move into a bit of discomfort or tension. You got to feel the stretch. If the muscle's going to get the message, it, got, it has to lengthen, right? Same thing when you're strengthening. You can't just do a weight that's really easy or you're never going to get the muscle stronger. And so they're inherently from our, the cellular level to the like, larger picture sy systems level, there's always a tension for change. But I think I understood it in the physiology. I struggled to understand it in our systems and our social change that sometimes takes so long. And then in the book, I use this chapter, uh, the health system as um, an analogy uh, and uh, using that health system as an example of a system that we need to change. But also it really highlights where the individual body systems encounter systemic systems. I think this happens in anything, in education, in any system, justice system, but in the healthcare system, we're dealing with body systems. And I talk about in, the, in terms of the dehumanization in healthcare. And I have it at the last chapter in the book um, because I'm hoping that people will have gone through a lot of the work and to work with themselves, to regulate themselves, so that it can reach those that maybe typically wouldn't read a chapter like that, or individuals that maybe aren't, when they're in more of an elevated stress response, able to hear certain ideas or thoughts. Um, and it's not a chapter on blaming or shaming any one group or another. It's really just bringing forth um, the evidence and the science and and showing a snapshot of our Canadian health system, what happens and what exists, and how um, certain groups, because of the way somebody might look, how that affects the type of care they get, but also how that affects their body systems. And um, so that's, that chapter was inspired by my conversation with, with Dr. Jacqueline Ottman, and it was one, again, that I wasn't sure if I would put in the book because, again, it, some people have you know, get turned off by things like that. But if this is a book that's true to me, this is something that I needed to say and share. Um, I, I, um, it, it did stand out to me. And it's so interesting, like the fact that you put so much thought into where that would be and the fact that readers would go on a journey through the book and then at that point be ready to maybe ask some hard questions of our current system. Because I think, yeah, lots of people are asking those questions, especially in this province, about how our health care is, whether it's um, at the hospital level or a long-term care level or acute care, like there's there's all these questions. And then I think the fact that there is, there's so much more focus and prevalence and, and rightly so in terms of Indigenous issues and truth and reconciliation, like it's, yeah, it's, it's a very powerful chapter. Did, did you, I was going to say, did you enjoy writing it? I don't know if enjoy is the right word, but did you feel empowered as you were writing that? Yeah, it, um, I feel like it's my, more like a, a responsibility, I think is what I felt like, um, that um, it's not the responsibility, this is my view, of, of Indigenous people to be, um, I think they've, 
they've, I feel like they've gone 90% and non-Indigenous people just have to go 10 in terms of this reconciliation. And it's the work of non-Indigenous people, people who can influence other minds and decision makers and leaders in, that can influence more change. Like it's wide systems change that's needed. And I just felt like um, I wanted to use my voice in that and use it not, this is not about, again, creating more separation. It's really, um, Shelley wrote the, Shelley Prosco wrote the foreword for the book and oh my gosh, I can't wait to sh for people to read her foreword. It was so, it was all the things, it was beautiful, it was really intelligent, um, but she, she mentioned in it, it, it was a, it's a, above all, it's a book um, that shares love and these are hard topics, but we're not going to come together and, and find solutions and healing if, just like with our own body systems, if we're hating on ourselves or hating on another. And so for me, um, I wanted to write the truth of what's going on, but in a loving way so that it invites people to be able to ask those hard questions, to see those tough things that may be about themselves. They didn't know that they had those beliefs or didn't know that that had that effect on someone. And it's not to stay in that rumination of shame, but it's just to, it's like in our own self, I didn't realize clenching my jaw was so bad for me. <laughs> okay, then let's stop clenching our jaw. I didn't realize that I was having that effect on someone else. Okay, then let's stop doing that. And we wouldn't, you know, belittle ourselves for, I can't believe when I'm sleeping, I'm clenching my jaw so much. But I'm making light of it. This is not a light topic, but it's just, can we find a way to hear the truth and come together and do meaningful change? Are you in a good space right now? Yeah. I mean, I've had this cold for six weeks. <laughs> I'm ready for it to be done. But no, I, I am. I feel like um, I feel like I always have work to do, and I always want to remain curious on, okay, what's the next layer of healing here? It always catches you by surprise. You think you're through it all, and then you're like, wait a second, that triggered me. Um, so yeah, but I would say like I, I'm, I'm loving the place. I'm the most content I've been in my life right now. I am um, very... I wake up and I'm very grateful for what I have. Doesn't mean that there's aren't still challenges, but I I get to work with wonderful people. I get to have a conversation with someone like you. I just get this chance. I have these kids that just keep me so present, and um, I'm just so yeah. So definitely in a better place I've been in a long time. And I this book sounds kind of heavy, but there's joy in it too. And I laugh hard. I have fun with people. I feel connected with people, but there is, so people might be surprised to read some of the things they read because what they see is something maybe different. But I think we're all that way. We all have parts of us that are for us, which is great. And, but we also have layers to ourselves too. Yeah. Um, Congratulations on on the book. It, it must be, I I've, it must be so neat to like. Have you have you held a physical copy yet? Like with the no, no, I don't have the physical copies okay. yet. I can't wait. So, um, end of December or beginning of January, okay. yeah. just in the final design of the interior of the book, and then the prints will be coming out. But pre sales are on right now um, at our website at vanguelwellness.com. Good uh, self care gifts and. Um, then the book launch 
I'm just segueing into promo. You don't mind? <laughs> this is good practice for me. I'm usually, people are, my friends are even like, you wrote a book? <laughs> so this is me working on that. <laughs> yes, best friend, I wrote a book. Do you want to just take the microphone from me right now and just, just go for it? So the book launch will be January 22nd at the Ivy Yoga House. And Jen, she's so wonderful. She's the owner there. She's donated the space. So Lisa Gregg is also going to be leading the Q&A and doing her thing. So it's just going to be me surrounded by... She's not bad, hey. She's not bad. bad. But but it's just going to be me surrounded by people that I respect, that I just have helped me along this journey. And I'm just so excited to share it with people and to just celebrate. So it'll be... January 22nd at 1 p.m. Adrian, that's that's aw- that's going to be wonderful. Yeah. That's so that's that's just awesome. Yay. I know. So <laughs> she's going to do what you're doing. Just ask me questions. I'll be like, "Thank God." <laughs> sure. and, and then I'll hide a little bit from the book, but you know. No, no, no. That's <laughs> maybe I'll feel better by then. <laughs> no, it's wonderful. Um I I uh yeah, I I think the world of you. I think you are you're such an amazing um just human being and um and I don't know I don't know if I've I've told you this in private but I'll just share it on the podcast but like (laughs) when you were talking about um your clients and and they come and bring it's not just a shoulder or whatever um for listeners um the the second time I met I met Adrian as a client um was the was the day after we had to say goodbye to our dog Fred and Fred was my best friend and Fred was the best and I was seeing Adrian for a um a, a tight lower back which we diagnosed as a as a weak glute on the left side <laughs> so I did all the exercises that Adrian told me to do and I did lots of yoga and it worked out great um but I saw I saw you that day and I and you just let me like just have a have a few moments kind of deal because I was just you know we were up all night and we had to say goodbye to him at the vet college and it was just a, it was a big thing and gosh that's over two years ago but it just feels like yesterday and what's funny now is that like in a few days we're we're gonna um, adopt a, uh, two new rescue dogs so it's sort of a, it's a bit yay but I think I think you were so gifted at at putting people at ease and making them feel comfortable. And I don't like, I don't know a lot of people who are as gifted as you are with that. So, um, I just, I just wanted to thank you. And I'm sure there are lots of listeners now who are like nodding their heads and being like, yeah, that's, that's Adrian. So, so thanks. That's really nice of you to say. Thank you. (laughs) Thanks for sharing that. (laughs) Well, we'll just end on that. (laughs) Go buy Adrian's book. That's, that's what I'm saying is that you're an amazing human being. And I'm so like, the book is amazing and people are going to love it. And, um, yeah, congratulations. Thanks for spending a, like an, an hour or so. Oh, we talked for an hour, Adrian. Oh my gosh. Thank you. It was so easy. I feel like you have enough space for three. Let's just add two more out. Sure. No, I'm just <laughs> we'll take this off, off mic. Yeah. Okay. Thank you, Adrian. <laughs> Thank you, Eric.